0: Over the world, you are listening to a difference in thought. A difference in thought engages in processes current events, culture, philosophy, public policy, and faith through the ancient art of truth telling. I'm your host, Charlie Ray. Join the conversation and gain an alternative perspective with a difference in thought. This podcast is in an, an honor and homage of the work and mission of the great Rev. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But our core philosophy is basic arithmetic teaches us that there can be no difference without subtraction. Before considering where you are willing to make a difference, first considering, consider where you are willing to take a subtraction. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 3, To Catch a Predator, Squids, Whales, and Rigged Casinos. Okay, so this is the second part in our series, and... Uh, we're focusing on the quote by Dr. King that says, we have deluded ourselves into believing the myth that capitalism grew and prospered out of the Protestant ethic of hard work and sacrifices. Capitalism was built on the exploitation of black slaves and continues to thrive on the exploitation of the poor, both black and white, both here and abroad. The problem of racism, the problem of exploitation, economic exploitation and the problem of war all tied together. Um, Many white Americans, Americans of goodwill have never connected bigotry with economic exploitation. They have deplored prejudice but tolerated or ignored economic injustice and exploitation. Okay, so we're talking today about to catch a predator. Squids, whales, and rigged casinos. Now, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this this show it was a show used to be called uh to catch a Pre-, uh, to catch a predator gotta get my words together today to catch a predator and it was hosted by Chris Hansen and what this brother would do is he would uh fake you know conversations with with predators uh and he would you know they'd be chatting him up and they'd be you know saying all these things saying all these nice things and their their whole goal was to to get into the house and do what they do okay this is a kids friendly podcast so we going to we going to keep it at that all right and so they had you know their talking points and they would say what they would say and they were going to go over there and 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 do what they were going to do and then they would turn a corner thinking they were about to do what they usually do and around the corner was a brother Chris Hansen and Chris Hansen would always hit him with the, what are you doing here? What are you trying to do? And at that moment, they would pitch themselves as the saintliest of saints. Oh, I wasn't over here trying to do this. See, see what I was trying to do is see, see, I, 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 I brought these flowers because I heard somebody had passed away because, you know, I'm just a real honest, caring person like that. Oh, no, I would never do that. And they'd be all polite. And then brother Chris Hansen, huh? What would he do? He'd pull out uh, the receipts. Oh, you say you're here to do whatever. Well, when you was saying such and such, you said that this is what you was trying to do. Oh, you were you were you you said that you were just uh, you didn't have the intent of doing this. Well, this is what uh, you said you were going to do. Right. The worst case is one where he catches somebody who ain't got no clothes on. Tries to say he was trying to do something out, leaves. The guy comes back the next day and is doing it to somebody else because it was just he just was in the habit and the nature of being predatory. And what I'm saying with what I'm going to share with you all today is that casinos, by its nature, by its design, are predatory. I'm going to say this again. Casinos, by its nature, by its design, are predatory. Now, you can go back last week. It doesn't matter. As Sister Angela Davis says, I don't care if you're black, I don't care if you're white, I don't care if you're Asian, no matter who's doing it, if you're exploiting somebody, at its very nature, there's something fundamentally wrong about exploitation. And you, you know they have I been mean? talking a good game? You know, I just was in a meeting with a bunch of ministers where they were talking about, oh, yeah, you know, we got a gospel station and, you know, we're going to do right by black people. and We're in the business of doing black people and all these other types of things. And then it was a little moment. It's a little moment where I had to hit them with the Chris hands. OK, so it's a it's a minister's meeting. Right. And they're all trying to pitch in. And I first, I want to thank God. You know, it's like, at, at like the hip hop awards and he'd be like, and the best hip hop song goes to shoot up the club. And they'd be like, Oh, I'd like to thank God. for helped me write shoot up the club. <laughs> it's one of them type of vibes. And, uh, so everybody's out here saying the talking points and, oh, yes, yeah, we like this. And, yeah, we've been shooting dice for a long time, man. It ain't nothing. But I'm going to tell you a little bit later that it, 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 it's the difference between dice and this, and this new gambling because uh, uh, dice is about chance. This other stuff is about design and about algorithms. But anyways, you know, they put me in the back because they don't, they, don't, they don't want me to, they don't want me to answer, ask my question. So anyways, I'm going through all this. I can barely stomach it. And I come in and I say, look, first of all, I'm going to let you know I'm a no vote. For moral reasons. Number one, you up talking to a bunch of ministers. OK, if you read Matthew 27, verse 35, huh? Matthew 27 is about the chapter where Jesus is betrayed. It starts off with Judas, an exploited person coming to a a, a, a body of exploited people with a little bit of power and they strike a deal over money to turn Jesus in. OK, that could preach all by itself. I get in the podcast right here. But anyways. They go through the crucifixion of Jesus. And, you know, they, you know, they said they, they, they hung him high. They stretched him wide. They pierced him in his side. They whipped him. They mocked him. They spit on him. They put a crown on him, they, they, a crown of thorns they put king of Jews. Here's something that people don't preach that much. Matthew 27, 35. First thing they do when they crucified him, they took his clothes and gambled. And cast lots. The first thing. The empire did first thing these soldiers did after they killed jesus is that they gambled so i said off rip (laughs) in the words of the great american orator randy jackson it's gonna be a no for me dog but i proceeded and i talked about uh some of the things that i'll share a little bit later about the addiction of this and i said man look man why don't you just give some of the safeguards that are that are there and that are accessible and his brother says, Oh, brother, I, I get your concern, but you know, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run uh black people through a credit form. I have no idea how much money they make. I'm not gonna run through a credit form in order for, to do to, to do that. Cause you know, we want not to be like the Bahamas. They don't even let black people in the casinos in the Bahamas and all these other types of things. He's talking around all these points, basically saying he's not gonna take the safeguards to protect people from being exploited. Um And then he made two crucial errors. Number one, he said. Because I said it's 40 to 60 percent of the revenue from casinos. And this is from the uh, uh, report on um, the Institute of American Values. So it's that 40 to 60 percent of revenue of casinos comes from problem uh, gamblers and people that are addicted to gambling. He says, well, that can't be true, man, because uh, I, I I run him. I hope, you know, I, I'm a small share owner at MGM. I do this business, man. And it is a bunch of rich people and so many revenues that happen with that. So that that can't be the case. Here's the problem. You just assumed that gamblers and addicts, people who don't have enough self-control, are only poor people. Mm. Classism, man. It's rich people that are gambling addicts as well. And then he says, and you know when he said, like, oh, man, what are you going to have me fill out a credit form? What a lot of people don't know, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, about some of the implications of, of casinos. Casinos loan out credit and money for people to gamble. You know what you got to do to, to, to get casino credit? Which they do at MGM, which he has a small share owner. Ship in. They make people fill out credit forms so they can get credit. So they get money to gamble more. So run this back for me, brother. You will run, make people, make people and black people fill out forms of credit to make sure the white casino owners get their money back, but you won't make people fill out a credit form to make sure their black wealth is protected and they don't gamble their life savings away. This is what I'm talking about when you understand how predatory the system is, and when you get beyond the talking points. When you get beyond, uh, oh, we black brother and all of those other types of things. That's why you should go listen to the first, the first episode of this, of this series. Uh, one Casino or One Colony. When you get beyond it, you start to see something that's predatory. And so what we're doing today is we're having our own to catch a predator, Right? they've been talking that good talk they've been all in everybody's dms and saying all these nice things and saying oh well i'm just here to do da 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 da," and i'm gonna hit him with the chris hansen with the what are you doing here what are you hoping to achieve and we're gonna pull out the receipts right so when we talk about <laughs> to catch a predator squids whales and casinos I'm like man what are you, why, why are we talking about sea life right now right well I, I for those who follow me on the on the interwebs huh you know that i've been talking about squid games right <laughs> and i i jokingly said like yo this is really about a casino but when you really look at it i ain't gonna get no spoiler alerts but it really is map maps and follows the predatory nature of which casinos get their 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 true revenue base right uh when you think about the first thing when he's like hey you want to play a game it's free man just 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 hit this thing and we can uh, i'll give you credit i'll give you a loan so you can keep gambling and stay as long as you can and they they they, they look and see who's most desperate and who's most uh susceptible to these empty promises and and you know i won't give too many spoiler alerts but when you see The bets and the wages that are made and the lack of protections for people that are within that is very, very similar to the predatory gambling. And so you might be saying, dang, man, well, what are what are whales? What's this got to do about man? Listen, I went down (laughs) a trail of my research and I learned that there's terms that they use for people who gamble within their facilities and I'll go a little bit later into this but I just want I just want you to show how rigged and how messed up the system is okay so when you look at uh, when you think about like the Michael Jordan of gambling right even though brother Jordan be gambling <laughs> we'll actually hear some from the person who uh, took him for all his money but anyways uh when you think about the casino industry the most successful person which I think is is just by far, is uh Steve Wynn okay W-Y-N-N okay and so you know he does these Wynn resorts W-Y-N-N they're there there's what the people really brag about so for example when you look at um uh the people who consulted the city to, for the casino process a uh, convergent strategy group okay uh one of the first things they mention right so we got Scott Fisher um and his his colleague miss what, what's her name uh miss leckert uh they talk about all the awards that they do and the first thing they note is that is that they did work at the largest gaming resorts and the first thing they list win resorts baby Cause it's like that. You know, if I'm down here with wind resorts, you know, and they talking about they done it in Japan, they done it in Australia, they done it in Cambodia, they done it in Canada. And remember what Dr. King talked about. It's about exploiting black and white people both here and abroad, right? But they like, hey man, we did it in Australia. That's gonna be important for later. And they talk about Win resorts, man. Man, we did it for wind resorts. And so because he's so successful at this, Charlie Rose does an interview of him on 60 minutes. And I want you to pay attention, (laughs) I don't know if the brother had too much liquor, to what Steve Wynn tells Charlie Rose is the key of uh, profiting and making money from casinos. Okay? So take a listen to this.
1: I want to understand a bit about the casino business. So do I. (laughs) First (laughs) of all... (laughs) The only way to win in a casino is to own one. Hold <laughs> on,
0: what, what? Uh brother said the last uh, the quiet part out loud again, again. Now this this is straight from the mouth of the head of this industry. The only way to win in a casino is to own one. Okay? We're not talking about ownership stake. I know people gonna be like, well, that's why we're offering ownership, and we just, no, 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 no. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being the person that's operating the house, operating the casino, because there are certain predatory levers and advantages. Okay, go. Anyways, I'm gonna let Brother Charlie finish his questioning. Okay,
1: unless you're <laughs> very lucky, <laughs> and he says even when people are lucky. They usually gamble away their winnings. You have never known in your entire life a gambler who comes here and wins big and, and walks quips. away. Never. So yeah. You know nobody hardly that over the stretch of time is ahead. Nope. The customer's loss is Steve wins gain.
0: Now, it's quite disturbing how the level of certainty. That Steve Wynn can talk about a gambler in that high, in that addiction, can't stop when it's ahead. That's not by mistake, So we'll get into a little bit later. It's a term in the design phase called playing to extinction. But, yes, extinction. (laughs) But what else could give Wynn such a great mind into Uh, the life and the mindset of someone who makes terrible decisions when under the high and the addiction of gambling. And this is really to get to the note of the character of this industry, okay? Take a note into Charlie Rose's discovery when he asked about the origins of Mr. Wynn in the casino and his first introduction to gambling
1: your father yeah. was a charming man. But a, per, but a compulsive gambler. And you're in the gambling business. That's one of many ironies it is. about you. It is and it's accidental but it is an irony. Uh, my father had a terrible problem with gambling. He was a, a guy that enjoyed that activity so much that he lost control of it. Michael Wynn died during heart surgery at age 47 leaving the family with a gambling debt of $350,000. Steve Wynn took over the family business, made a success of it, and paid back the money his father owed. I would give anything for a half hour, 15 minutes with my father to walk him through anything that good fortune has allowed to come my way these past 40 years. And have him stand outside and look on the building and it says... Ah, Wynn. He changed his name. When he was a kid, he was Weinberg. In fact, you were born Weinberg. And then he changed it there when I was about six months old.
0: My goodness. Steve Wynn. His father was a gambling addict. He saw the harm that it did to his family. Racking $350,000 of debt which probably was, you got to see what that was valued, because that was what, like the 50s? See what that would be valued today? And he turns around and builds an industry around the addiction that plagued his father until his death. And not only does he take on the industry, and we can talk about changing the word from, we can change from Weinberg to Win and all the, all the things that have to do with that but on on every building he has inviting people in gambling is the name of a gambling addict that stayed addicted until his death and left his family with three hundred fifty thousand dollars of debt From his addiction. And he built an industry around it. If this industry does not care about their own father. What do you think it'll do to your. Family. Your community. And if you think I'm being facetious and saying, oh, well," you taking a lot of things. So the next guest that we're going to hear from. When you're wondering why I say whales. So within the gambling infrastructure and how they have to keep these this revenue going is that they need people who are addicted and people to spend a lot of money and for people to spend more money than they should. And the term that they have for these people who are their highest rollers are whales. Whales. And here we're going to hear from uh, the Michael Jordan of casino marketing, who actually took Michael Jordan on all those strips when he lost too, way too much money, by the way, is a guy by the name of Steve Sear. And Steve Sear uh, was named the first and only casino host of the year by Las Vegas Life, was the former marketing director of Hard Rock Casino. Right? His job was to get people to gamble at hard rock casino, and so he talks a nice game, and he's saying, "Oh, we're just having a good time and all these type of things." But now, later in his life, he does it, he does, he does an interview. And I want you to hear on how he describes what his job was as marketing director at these casinos. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Sear, known as the Whale Hunter.
2: You need somebody like Steve Sear to represent you and get you the best deal. So, ultimately, you're a, a broker or an agent for High Roller? I'd like to say I'm the chief harpoonist. Well, you are, are you? Yeah. yeah, so you have minnows, you know? You have yeah. people that bring a thousand bucks to Las Vegas and they want to have fun. And then you have, you know, fish that bring five or ten thousand. And then you have sharks that bring twenty-five to fifty thousand. And then you have the whales that I try to deal with that bring a hundred thousand to a million every weekend. <laughs>
0: So just in case you're, 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 you're not following, uh, the analogy here, he refers to himself as the whale hunter. And what he's saying is he may say it's about entertainment and having a good time and all this other type of stuff, but really what he's doing is whether you're kind of rich or a little bit rich, um, whether you have poor freedom or rich freedom as, uh, Steve Wynn's old wife described, uh what motivated uh Steve Wynn said a uh, her direct quote um, there's poor freedom and then there's rich freedom yeah you can be a beach bum but Wynn likes rich freedom <laughs> so whether whether you're 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 poor rich or rich rich uh that their job is to be the chief harpoonist and to impale you with debt and losses so that they can keep entertaining and exploiting other people, okay? Uh, This is the marketing strategy of casinos. And I wish I could say that's the worst part, but Steve Sear had more to say about the nature of his industry.
2: See, in Hollywood, the star is the king. In Vegas, I'd rather the construction worker with five or 10 grand, and he gets treated like a star.
3: We're We're in the global recession. You know, Vegas has been hit by it, we know that. My rich guys are
2: still really rich.
3: The rich ones stay rich, yeah? No matter what. And they'll still gamble.
2: Yeah. A third of my customers are so wealthy it's not gonna matter. A third should not be here. And the other third are young and as their age and wealth increase, gambling increases in them, it's part of our culture now. So what happens when it goes wrong? There's a dark side to the business. In my book, For the Whales, one was murdered, three suicide.
0: Oh boy. (laughs) so from the mouth okay so so i know some of you are probably surprised listening to this because you think i was going to come with some stats and some people who sat outside the casinos and protest. No, these are the engineers these are the heroes these are who the casino industry people have plastered on their walls and on their dream boards right steve sears says within the culture of casinos there's a third of people who are so rich it, it won't matter as steve Wynn's wife would say, rich freedom people who have attained rich freedom and then there's uh poor freedom right and this is what he says a third of the people he deals with shouldn't be there Off rip. 33% of y'all shouldn't be here you're gonna end up bad right the other 33% is I'm grooming them <clears throat> as their wealth increases so that I can harpoon them later and send them down the result of, which his there's a book about him called The Whale Hunter, and of the people in the memoir that he shares, one was murdered and three of the other people committed suicide as the result, or as he would say, the dark side of his industry. So, (laughs) when I talk about To Catch a Predator, From their own language, they state within the culture of casinos, is this predatory targeting of mostly poor middle class people gauging under the facade of we can help you feel rich. And we're going to take your freedom to help the main person on top, right? Because the only way to win is the person who owns so that they can maybe obtain rich freedom for themselves. This is the nature and the predatory cause of this. And this isn't just in the culture, right? This is also within the machinery of this. And so one of the things I want to share with you all, okay, uh, is because I think a lot of people don't understand the history of some of the uh, laws and the lobbying that have happened to change how casinos were done um, I want to share with you all uh, especially talking about suicide um, that they the the gambling addict is 15 times more likely to commit suicide because they keep gambling then the casino makes more money available to them to try and win back their money. And then they end up uh, committing suicide because of the things that mount against them or (laughs) they start creating, you know, rich crimes, right? Uh, There was a very interesting um, fact, And I'll share a little bit from this talk, a former Congressman um, uh, Robert Steele, uh uh from Connecticut I believe uh started to sh- show what casinos had done to his uh town right and so that after casinos came there was a 400% increase in embezzlement crimes as people stole from their companies to feed their gambling addiction to the point that it became the embezzlement capital of the world, to the point that even the chief financial officer of Winchester, Connecticut, embezzled money to gamble, right? So as these things are going up, and as in the early stages of, before a lot of the science and the new research, which I'll share later, came out, Congress actually became quite concerned about the impact of casinos, and there was something called the National Gambling Impact Study of 1996, which I'll let Congressman Robert Steele uh, share were some of the findings of that.
4: Now as far back as 1997, quite a while ago, Congress became so concerned about what it had done in opening this Pandora's box that it set up a national commission To study the problem. Now you might chuckle and say, well what else would Congress do but set up a commission? But the commission worked hard, it actually worked for two years, and at the end of two years, uh, based on its findings, it made a number of recommendations. Most importantly it recommended that there be a moratorium, this was in 1997, that there be a moratorium on the building of new casinos in the United States until the federal government could get a better handle on the social and politi- and, uh, and economic costs. In addition, the Commission recommended banning credit card and ATM use at casinos, something you'll get a chuckle over if you've been to a casino recently. It recommended prohibiting aggressive casino advertising, such as you see on television today. And it, it uh, recommended restricting political contributions by the gambling industry in order to guard against political corruption. But the recommendations, as you would guess, were never implemented. And the number of casinos have continued to multiply as cash-hungry states, such as Massachusetts, have increasingly looked to casino gambling as a politically painless way, supposedly, to raise revenue without directly raising taxes.
0: So, (laughs) we had Congress agree that gambling was dangerous that uh all this type of marketing that you see especially with the sports betting and everybody and all these black people telling you to sports bet and bet with caesars and bet with this and bet on the game and all these other types of things uh the atms being in there and 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 just having people have access to give more and more and more and more and more and more and more more. so the question is what changed? I mean, when you read this report that that generated it, it's a report that that ended up coming out in 1999, um, and essentially, it said, uh, "Well, you know, it can create a lot of revenue, and uh, we're not going to say whether it's g- whether there are social impacts, good or bad, but we can tell you, uh, bankruptcies up after cal- after casinos go come, uh, domestic abuses up after casinos come." Uh, Uh, all sorts of negative social impacts are up but i I don't know there's just not enough i don't know there's not enough evidence for uh how exploitative these things are right well it doesn't say that It's, it's inconclusive right but then it goes to list when you actually read the report all of these social ills that actually happen after the casino comes uh and so what changes is that casino casinos didn't become less uh uh exploitative or less addictive if if anything they became more addictive uh when you look at how these games are designed and the psychology behind it uh they actually become they actually have become uh more dangerous and have had worse societal implications as things continue and so there was actually a, a another study that was done an independent study uh, removed from uh people that were uh susceptible to uh donations and and, and and lobbying and this is these are the findings they found on the impact of casinos and gambling.
4: An independent, nonpartisan group of scholars and public policy experts assembled by the Institute for American Values, a think tank in uh, New York City, has published a new study that looks at the impact this casino explosion has had on the nation as a whole. And I thought you'd be interested in their key findings. One, once an occasional and largely upper-class activity, Casino gambling has moved from the margins to the mainstream of American life. Two, today's regional casinos are different from traditional Vegas-style resort casinos that catered predominantly to well-heeled players who came from long distances away and preferred table games. In contrast, the new casinos are primarily filled with a new generation of highly addictive slot machines. And they cater overwhelmingly to middle and low rollers who live within an hour away, return frequently, and play the slots. Three, modern slot machines have transformed American gambling. They are no longer the one-arm bandits we tend to think of when we think of slot machines. In fact, the new slot machines don't even have arms. Instead, the new slot machines have become sophisticated computers engineered by some of the best brains in America to create fast, continuous, and repeat betting in order to get players to gamble longer and lose more over time. Four, while casinos represent themselves as benign entertainment companies, they are in fact predatory businesses That depend on problem gamblers, that is people with some level of gambling addiction, for 40 to 50% of their profits. Five, living close to a casino greatly increases the chances of developing a gambling addiction. Six, casinos constitute a regressive tax that hits low wage earners, minorities, and the elderly the hardest thereby contributing to economic inequality in America. Where have you heard that term before? It's the new mantra of uh, both uh, uh, the Democratic and Republican parties. Seven, state governments have, in effect, partnered with the casino industry by inviting casinos into their states, promoting their products, and profiting uh, from sharing their revenue. In sum, according to this new study, the long-term costs of the new regional and local casinos, like the one they're talking about putting here in Fall River or in New Bedford or in almost any of the communities they're talking about here in Massachusetts. The long-term costs of these new regional and uh, local casinos exceed their benefits by as much as three to one. They drain wealth from communities, weaken nearby businesses, hurt property values, and reduce volunteerism, civic participation, family stability, and other forms of social capital that are at the heart of a successful community. Massachusetts' new casinos may choose to call themselves destination casinos for out-of-towners and out-of-staters. But the fact is, most U.S. casinos are becoming simply convenience casinos for people in nearby communities and nearby neighborhoods. I mean, think about it for a moment. While high rollers and tourists from the U.S. and abroad will continue to travel to glamorous destinations like Las Vegas and Macau, how many are going to travel to Fall River or New Bedford in order to gamble any more than they're going to travel to Albany or Springfield or Everett or Ledger, Connecticut. The casinos will say anything in order to get in. This is why, you know, I wrote the book, and I subtitled it, Big Time Gambling Seduction of a Small New England Town. There is no question, when the casinos come in, it sounds so good, they're going to create all these jobs they're going to they're going to help you know rebuild your waterfront. They are going to pave the streets with gold. Don't believe it.
0: And so you see the mounds and mounds and mounds of data compiling showing that casinos are not good for um, for environments they're not good for the people within the casino and they're not good for the people around the casino as well and that even congress right and, and let's think about it right remember senator tim kane came out publicly against one casino right saying that there are better ways to improve the economy and the data would agree and 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 congress in this body Uh, that that called for the moratorium of that called for not having casino um, uh, uh, campaign uh, donations that called for not having the uh, commercials that called for not having the ATMs and the exploitative uh, ways of extracting more and more funds from people right we're correct what changed is not that casinos became safer more equitable or better for communities the only thing that changed or exchanged was money from casino lobbyists to people who were making the decisions right and so this congressman is talking about what he saw happen in his city he's going to another city talking about that and seeing these trends right and he talks about you know and i don't have time to show the clip but he talks about how what was true in the room he was in was true back there is that the the democratic processes, right, of it moving through there, right, is that people paid money, lawmakers said, okay, let's make it happen. And then money was poured into, uh, again, trying to make it happen. And so uh, what's even more disturbing is that over that time, the data has become more and more clear about gambling addiction and the effects that it has, uh, and so, what's interesting now, as we go into the rigged part of casinos, which is sad, is that they also you know, I just wanna create this clarity right People think gambling, they think of what they call the one arm bandits and the reels, and they think about oh oceans eleven and uh I'm thinking about like the first oceans eleven and you know Frank Sinatra and all these other types of things and but really the modern casino industry is not about chance and it isn't about luck. It's about algorithms and it's about design about who is designing these games. So what we're going to talk about next, again, we've had a little bit about people standing from the outside and the different reports. I'm going to let you hear directly from the people who are designing these games about how they feel how equitable and how much of a chance players actually have so i want (laughs) to let you hear from um people who design the games one of the people you're going to hear from is someone who calls himself the wizard of odds and it's interesting uh for you to hear about his relationship he has with casinos and people who design these and how he actually feels about um how rigged the system is against people who come to casinos.
5: These machines work on even deeper levels of our brain. In the 1950s, American psychologist B.F. Skinner observed animal behavior to try and understand human behavior. He trained a rat to press a lever for food pellets. If it received them at regular intervals, it would only press when hungry. But if the food was given randomly, if the rat never knew when it was coming, it would press the lever again and again and again. It worked on pigeons and it worked on humans too.
1: There is a good example of how you can move from the the pigeon to the human case because one of the schedules which is very effective is a variable ratio schedule and that is at the heart of all gambling devices.
5: In Skinner's Day, rewards were decided by where the mechanical reels stopped. But since virtual reels took over, where the reels stopped is in the hands of designers.
0: okay so before we get to the wizard of odds here uh this is differentiating um really seeing how much these games are designed uh to get people addicted right so the data though it's uh, uh, is is mounting but while casinos have their own analysts and have their own data What they don't tell you is the data analysts they have that are using modern psychology to get people addicted to their products. Uh, And so not only are they designing things to get people addicted, they are designing uh, games that are literally rigged towards the house. Right. This isn't this isn't dice anymore. This is design. So I want you all to (laughs) to just I just want to make that differentiation. Right. That we are in a new world and era of casinos and gambling and this is from an uh excerpt from these are excerpts from a great documentary called the addiction machine that i think everybody should watch okay but this is the level of design and intention and how predatory people in the gambling industry are uh that has gotten worse than back when congress said it wasn't good to go now, this is a visual documentary that you're going to hear the audio from. But what this is, is this guy designs a game, <laughs> this guy gets a game design called Super Chicken. Anyways, it's it's a way to, to he'll explain why it's called Super Chicken. But essentially what he's saying is, because uh, you guys won't be able to see it, he's saying that people aren't playing casino games, what they're actually playing are set, definite, rigged. Excel spreadsheets. (laughs) Sounds crazy. I know. But listen to what the designers say.
1: If we took the super chicken game as the player will see
4: it and superimpose the math over it, this is actually the game being played. I could remove the graphics, remove the sound, and allow a player to play an Excel spreadsheet and the outcome will be the same. Except it's not going to be fun. We don't share math. The heart of a game is math, and that's the only that's our product.
6: My name is Mike Shackelford, but I'm more commonly known as the Wizard of Odds. The big slot machine companies have big math departments. There's a very small number of people that freelance like me. I am looking at a game that I titled Golden Chariots. Um it's my understanding that Marcus the client reskinned it to a game called Super Chicken. Um, but the theme of the game is not important to me. It's the actual math and the design of the game.
5: The mathematician rewards the player enough to keep them playing, while making sure the machine comes out ahead, according to a calculation called the return percentage.
6: Slot machines are set to only return about 90% of your money. So with every bet you make, you're giving 10% to the house, which, which is a lot. And of course, in the short run, anything could happen. You could lose a lot more, or you could win a lot more. But the way the laws of mathematics are, over the long run, the the closer it will get to this return percentage. When I design a slot machine, one question I always ask, if I'm not directly told, is what return percentage do you want this game set to? Okay, so this is... (laughs) So if you will say
0: that casinos are rigged, What they're essentially saying is that the outcomes are determined ahead of time. The only thing that's not determined is who gets it, right? But the outcomes are determined. It's not random. It's not rolling the dice, right? It's not uh, 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 how many cards are in the deck, right? It is literally set. And this person, the Wizard of Odds, is telling you, that casinos and game designers approach him to say, this is what I want the set outcome to be. I wish (laughs) that was the worst part of this, but as he continues, (laughs) this is what he has to
6: say about how the conversation typically goes. And usually the client will give me a number say 93%, but sometimes they're not sure, and I will have to consult with them a little bit and say, well, do you want to shear the sheep or do you wanna slaughter the sheep? And, um, and if they say, we wanna slaughter it, then I might say, okay, well, let's set it to 85%. No, and if they say, no, we just wanna shear the sheep and keep them coming back, then I'll say, well, how about 90, 95% or even 97%. And in Australia, they're all pretty much set to a, between 85 and a 92%, and that's just awful. I have such pity for the people that play them, because I know what an awful bet they are, because I des- I've designed hundreds of these games. I mean, I'm sorry, but they're, j- they're just a lousy bet. I think that it's unethical to overly uh, tease the player with, with near misses, and all the games that I design, unless I'm specifically told not to, have independent reels. Sometimes I get asked by a client to just do something that I think is a little unethical and I'll try to talk them out of it. But at the end of the day, if the client insists to do something a certain way, you know, I'll do it.
0: Okay. so is is anybody keeping score of the predatory analogies here? We got we got whales. We got harpoonists. Well, now we got sheep being slaughtered. Right. This is the language that the people who design the machines that will be housed in Casino One, or one casino, whichever one it is, one casino, one colony, whichever one you want to call it, right? These are the people from the industry, from the people that own it, for the people that do marketing, right? To the people that design the very machines, right? Uh, talk about how predatory, how unethical, these things are and I know people like you can't say it's rigged you can't say whatever look man you don't have to believe me you don't have to believe the reports you don't have to believe the data though you should you can believe the people who are designing the products and so the casinos believe the data enough to create a highly addictive product but they don't want to believe the data that says You actually achieved what you wanted. You have people addicted. So one of the things I want to talk about is how the psychology is ignored in the impact, but the psychology is used to rig and get people addicted to an outcome to the point that for the first time in its history, okay, the DSM, which is uh what is the diagnostics and statistics manual right it was like the bible of uh psychology and 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 uh uh, psychological disorders for its first time in its newest edition the dsm-5 okay added gambling addiction to the substance abuse section of its of its manual right saying right next to narcotics right so saying that gambling addiction is just as bad as a cocaine addiction as alcohol addiction why because it attacks your very neurological habits and beings in the same way cocaine does and i know y'all thinking man you lying you you you, you, you I, all the hyperbole brother now brother it's real and i'm gonna let you hear it from the scientists Those machines
5: are so powerfully built that they're built for addiction. The DSM has been the bible of psychiatric medicine for over 60 years. In its latest edition, published after 10 years' research, gambling disorder was moved into the substance abuse chapter. It was the first time in the DSM's history A non-substance was listed alongside nicotine, heroin and cocaine.
7: Uh, There is some evidence that there are withdrawal symptoms from uh, gambling disorders, similar to uh, what you see with withdrawal symptoms from some substance use disorders. Um, Often people with gambling disorders uh, make repeated but unsuccessful uh, attempts to try to reduce their gambling. They keep failing at that and they keep ending up back at the pokey machines.
5: For anticipation. Dopamine was stimulated not just by an unexpected reward but also by the anticipation of it. The question arose, what other things besides drugs might turn on this system? Could we see the system turn on in a game of
1: chance?
5: In the next experiment they devised, subjects gambled on the spinner. And none of us predicted that cocaine addicts anticipating a cocaine infusion looked exactly like healthy control subjects anticipating a monetary win. So anticipation is actually really fundamental to your experience of reward. What you are doing when you have a slot machine is actually kind of repetitively going through this experience of anticipation. You're like a rat that's sitting there key pressing to get a little jolt of electricity in your reward system. So
0: <laughs> recent data and the DSM lists and shows via an MRI, which was, was what the brother was just talking about, that the same anticipation and the same uh, effect on the brain, and what is released in the brain is it, when you put it on an MRI, someone who is anticipating and fiending for cocaine it looks identical to someone who is fiending for another pitch of gambling and this is not just by mistake this is not oh we cared about design and oh look this just happened to happen when you look at this documentary because i can't i can't i can't give it all but from the music that they choose to the type of chair that they choose uh, uh uh to all these other types of things it is very much engineered for addiction and it is used to keep people at slot machines, because when you see the math, which we're gonna hear about next, right? Why are people doing this thing called playing to extinction? And how do they rig these modern machines to make less of a chance than what the traditional machines did? So I want you all to listen to this because now we're going from hunting to, <laughs> my gosh, extinction. And, I'm, and the reason I'm, I call this to catch a predator is because. You see this process of from baiting, to keeping people here, to hunting, to slaughter, to extinction. These are all the things that people who design the process use. So take a listen about how things are engineered to extinction. can't believe I have to say this, but listen.
7: I kept hearing this phrase playing to extinction. Um, and I came to understand that what they, that meant was playing to that point where you've lost all of your, uh, your funds to gamble. And so that's really held up as the point where you, you want gamblers to reach.
1: When I play a slot machine, I will probably use my human innate tendency to try to figure out a pattern. There is no pattern in slot machines. And the dopamine neurons will be more active the less of of a pattern there is. All drugs of addiction increase the release of dopamine neurons. So if you stimulate the dopamine neurons, you're
5: already halfway into the direction of addiction. This dopamine that gets released in the anticipation stage of the game has been incorporated into the design of the machines. So when we started to look
1: at the slot machine games, we really got a bit lucky, I think. We were able to get some design documents. The first thing that we saw just floored us is what people commonly call a near miss. The jackpot symbol, the jackpot symbol, and then the jackpot symbol just above or below the pay line. So you're you're seeing it in the first reel. Good. You're seeing it on the second reel. Good. And then, there didn't see it on the third reel. It gets those. It's like, ah, shucks. The manufacturers create near misses up to 12 times more often than it would happen by chance alone.
0: So what's going on is instead of looking at the science and saying, man, we really are manipulating and messing up people's brains, instead of saying we need to be better at this, instead of saying maybe we should at least leave it up to chance, maybe we shouldn't uh, psychologically manipulate people and rig people. Uh, they use this information to be more exploitative to the point that people are, <laughs> it's weird to say this, but people's chances of winning are worse than just mere chance, <laughs> which means it ain't chance, fam. Uh, so, man, it's pretty bad. So this is uh, what I want to talk about next, right, is the math in this, right? Because the long term, it's a whole thing. Remember what we said when Steve Wynn said the only, you know, only way to win at a casino is to, is to own one is because casinos are designed and are only successful if they can keep people gambling longer, keeping people in the space. Keeping people staying at a machine because that's how the house gets its money back. Now, some of y'all be like, 10 percent. That's not bad. I'll get God 10 percent. <laughs> Let me break down on how that continually breaks down when they talk about playing to extinction and how they use these near misses to keep people playing. Right. Again, a near miss programming it 12 times in what happened at chance so that people stay 12 times longer than they typically would to the point that they get to this point called extinction, which really is a rigged extinction of their funds. Peep the math, all right.
5: Although it's the highest house take by far, if a player only lost 10% of their money when playing poker machines, it would not be ruinous. But the trouble is, if you keep playing, you lose all your money. Let's say you put in $100. Even after wins along the way, the machine is eventually programmed to return you $90. You've now got $90, and the machine is programmed to return you 90% of that, $81. With $81, you'll end up with $73, and so on. Until you've lost your last dollar.
0: And so... This is, (laughs) this is how the results get rigged. Not only does it rig the machine, rig the design, it rigs your very brain. And so we'll close our message from the designers portion with what a game designer had to say about the truth about how rigged casinos are.
4: The house will win. If I, the more I play, Over time, the less I'll win.
1: If I go out today and play, I may win. If I play every day, I will lose. There's no chance. It's just built that way.
0: From the designer's mouth to heaven's ears, there is no chance. It's just built that way. You begin to understand why. Steve Wynn says, only way to win at a casino is to own one, stating with very much confidence that the longer you stay, the more you lose, and that the gains, the revenue, is based on people's minds being rigged and games being rigged. Now you may say, "Man, well, surely these are good people. They wouldn't want to do that to other people. What how, what if we just introduce reforms? Isn't there a way to kind of do that?" Which I've been trying to do, which I, which I did literally this morning talking directly to Alfred Liggins and his response was, "I'm not going to make black people fill out a credit form to uh to 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 reduce their spending. I don't even know if that's constitutional man listen <laughs> it's constitutional with liquor ain't it uh and it's just it's just not true right that I mean the, these these casinos they have cards that track where people go how much they spend but instead of using it as a safety measure they use it so that they can know you know where people spend their most money at right where people are most susceptible to spend too much money. They use it to track it for profit, but not track it for protection. And if they're not taking care of the people in their casino, why you think they're going to take care of the people outside of it? Listen, man. So I'm going to share with you all to really just show when there have been reform efforts, right? And the reason I'm talking about Australia, right, is because they 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 ha- they also have a very big casino industry, Very huge addiction problem. Again, Convergent Strategy Group, which has consulted the city about this, did lots of work in Australia and and brag about all the things that have happened. This is what happens when people decide to put reforms to help protect people. This is what the people who wanna do so much good for the neighborhood, this is how they gonna act when you say, try to force their industry to stop exploiting people. And you let me know if it sounds familiar. I'm going to start off with the light work, right? I'm going to start off with this whole, man, it's just about responsible gaming. It's just about responsible gaming. Let me tell you about how that is part of the marketing package for casinos and how it's not effective. We'll hear from someone who has been advocating for this in another part of the world. And then we'll also hear from people who have it within their establishments that say the joint ain't effective.
7: Some people have a hard time grasping that a machine could be addictive. They associate addiction with substances that are inhaled or put into the body. But the fact is most contemporary neuroscientists can tell you things like gambling and these process addictions are being taken as a purer form of addiction because they show us a direct window into the chemical changes happening in the brain. So this whole discussion of responsible gambling, I mean, you, you hear that, and if you don't know a lot about it and what's behind it, you think, great, you know, who's, who's against responsibility? Great. But you have to understand that it's a concerted public relations campaign appearing to be responsible for the customer base and also putting responsibility on the customers and off of the products. You know, As long as I put little signs about um, the, the toll-free numbers to call if you have a problem, then I'm good, right? And it's all on, on the gamblers. And what isn't then done is any attention paid to how the machines work that whole conversation can be shut down. Sound familiar?
0: It it, it sound mighty familiar to what Alfred Lincoln was telling me this morning, right? Again, it's about shifting responsibility from the exploitative and the predatory product they are creating and just allowing it to shift to who? The gambler, right? The sheep they wanna slaughter, the whale they wanna hunt, right? And most of all, it's not effective, right? We're gonna hear from someone who actually has uh, tried to (laughs) implement the PR campaign and sees what actually happens when there's lack of protections.
5: There's very strict guidelines around the way we serve people with alcohol, responsible service of alcohol. You can't serve somebody to the point of being intoxicated. You have to ask them to leave, otherwise, you get a whopping great fine. Well, not ages. For somebody to be excluded from gaming from my venue, they have to fill out a form, send it away uh, with a photo, Then that photo comes to me. But until that point, uh, they're free to gamble till their heart's content or their wallets are empty.
0: Mm. So essentially, casinos say, um, yeah, I'm going to help you out, but you got to empty that wallet first right because it cannot survive it's designed to be predatory it's designed to be addictive it's designed to be rigged it's not designed to be helpful and so just like we saw what happened here in congress and again shout out to senator kane for coming out against this project in opposition to this project um when there are recommendations then the lobbyists want to fight it. The Congress here said there should be a moratorium on policy Colise- uh, on <laughs> maybe a Freudian slipper maybe you know on casinos uh, It said there that that there shouldn't be ATMs in the venues because of what it can do. You shouldn't be luring people with all these commercials and and there shouldn't be any money in politics that can help convince this changed. Well, let me tell you about what happened. Again, when we think about Convergent Strategy Group and how they brag, how they've done work in Australia and they've done all these other types of things, they, it's not these 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 recommendations aren't new to them, right? I want to tell you about after the data was coming out and the addiction was happening, about when the people uh, in Australia that wanted to fight against this addictive behavior and the predatory design of these machines and these casinos. The same people who said, oh, we want to be helpful and we want responsible gaming. Let me show you what side of the position they ended up being
5: on. As the weight of evidence was stacking up, a major independent report recommended changing the machine so that the maximum bet on a poker machine should be reduced from $10 to $1. To the amount of cash players can feed into machines at any one time. Be reduced from ten thousand dollars to twenty dollars and that with high intensity games people should pre-commit to how much money they want to spend before playing for the first time in australian history it looked like the federal government was going to step in proposing legislation to minimize poker machine harm
0: well look at that we got some responsible recommendations after all the casino it's a it's it's about entertainment it's just about having a good time it's not exploitative it's responsible right so so all the people who who talk about responsible gaming and all these guidelines that they've been so great because they are concerned about addiction so much wow we can minimize the loss of and the impact of what it creates to people so they don't have, aren't 15 times more likely to go home and commit suicide because they've spent their money at your establishment. They should be on board with, with this because they're about responsibility, right? Not a betting person. But what side <laughs> would you put money on that you think these responsible organizations were on the side of?
3: Majority of people in my electorate wanted some form of change. The new machines were much better designed. They were able to suck money out of people much more easily. I didn't want to ban poker machines but I just didn't want to see people as social wreckage as a consequence of their use of poker machines. Let's find that middle way. But in my electorate, from the club's point of view and the hotel's, uh, this meant war and they basically declared war
5: on the reforms
3: and then they declared war on me.
5: These people have enormous connections into government. They know everyone. Casinos,
3: pubs and clubs aren't just lobbying the Labor Party and the Liberal National Party. They are embedded in the Labor Party and the Liberal National Party. For a proper government and not a couple of kids like that. The hysteria that was whipped up just gave you insight into how difficult it was going to be to make a change. These people who were making all the money and alongside that seeing the human misery that came with it dug their heels in uh, and said no and then fought like fury and unfortunately for the time
5: they actually won. The federal government buckled and the reforms collapsed.
3: When you think of the politics behind protecting this machine, this is a political failure and the spread of pokies, in my view, in Australia, is really a racket. It's a racket run by people protecting a predatory, addictive product.
0: And so there you have it. I mean, the words of Tom Costello, uh, of World, formerly of World Vision, says it's a racket run by people protecting a predatory and addictive not about responsibility it's not about chance it's not about luck it's not about improving people's lives it's not about protecting people it's a racket run by people protecting a predatory and addictive product and we are catching a predator sounds nice The receipts have been read. People say, oh, it's not this, it's not that. But the same response, the same PR campaigns, the same resistance to reforms that could actually help people, the same embedding, the same uh, uh, payment to get these things done which her own government said was not helpful beyond extracting wealth, which oppressive (laughs) governments and empires have always had room for people who want to extract wealth from their communities and give it to Caesar. Same way that, you know, man, Judas could secure the bag if he just turned in Jesus and didn't mind Jesus being exploited. You had people who could have, could have changed and actually aided and actually helped Jesus, but instead, nah, we're going to profit off of that. We're going to gamble for his clothes, right? And so <laughs> an industry built around a man who, who, who built an industry around the vices that held his father captive until he died now comes with black people and says suddenly it'll be magically be better when it's not. I wish that that was the only thing I'm concerned about. But we also see, you know, one of the things that I said jokingly, one of the things that I said jokingly, but also seriously, is that I would not compare... I'm I'm, I'm not excited about a black-owned casino just like I wouldn't be excited about a black-owned payday lender. So we talked about lending money. One of the things that concerned me a lot in this research is something that this congressman, Robert Steele, brings up in the question and answer portion because casinos are lending money. You ever wonder what happens if someone takes money from a casino? They do it at MGM where Alfred Liggins is a part-time owner. I wonder if he's gonna be giving out loans to help people gamble more at one casino. Because then the question becomes right, not only per the National Association of Realtors does a casino drop the surrounding uh neighborhood's uh home values down 15%, but according to Robert Steele, something curious began happening when people started defaulting on their liens and loans from the casino. Listen to this.
4: But that both Foxwoods and Mohegan Son are extremely aggressive, uh, both in lending money to gamblers. In other words, a gambler has tapped out, he's lost his money. Uh, uh, he can go to the casino, and they call it a marker, and uh, and uh, borrow money, and ab- obviously that is a very very uh, uh, vulnerable time for the for the gambler. He's just lost his money, so he's going to try to borrow more in order to uh, in order to win it back. And as even the gambling experts say, the worst way in the world to gamble is trying to desperately win your money back. But in any event, the two casinos have been very aggressive in filing liens on gamblers on, on debtors' houses and uh, and uh, going forward and uh, uh for closing if necessary uh, and that is uh, straight from the boston globe that's not uh, my research no you're right
0: scare scare hold up what you telling me you can go into a casino go to a game that's designed for your addiction that's designed to keep you there that's de- that's that's <laughs> rigged and designed to get more money from you, if the if the casino operator and the designer said, Hey man, go ahead and slaughter the sheep, has a design system to have you play until extinction. That same entity then, in your most desperate moment, right? And 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 typically this is one of the worst decisions are made because people with gambling addiction dig themselves into a hole and then they say, Well, man, the only chance I have is to gamble more to get my money back so let me go over to the casino table and and get a marker limit right in order to win but oh no I lost and now I not only can I have I lost my money but now I I don't know how I'm gonna be able to pay back what I loaned from the casino so now they could put a lien on my house and foreclose me does that sound like one casino what does that sound like? One colony. I don't know. What some of y'all are saying Alfred Liggins would never. No way. Praise one oh four point seven wouldn't. What? He makes a case, as he did this morning, that he is uh, uh, a shareholder in 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 some form of ownership in MGM Resorts. I'm on MGM Resorts website right now. Looking. Add marker limit forms. I'm looking at it right now. MGM. And yes, Nash- National Harbor. Look at a marker limit application. I just open it up, right? First name, the, the limit requested, right? Remember, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run credit reports on black people to, to institute protections but look at this marker limit application for the business of which you are a shareholder in some form of ownership It's asking me my residence address my business phone my address of employer how much money i want the type of business my position my years in industry my total value of assets my amount of indebtedness my annual income my social security number my mail marker information my primary financial institution It's all here. So we got the ability to get all this information to exploit people, but no energy to use all this information to protect our black people. I'm just saying, man, I'm just I'm just saying. I'm looking at it right here. It's right in front of me in gold font you know very true to brand I don't want to make no assumptions but I do want to know has anybody asked if one casino was going to be lending out money to people what the standards of those would be because he has a problem with you know (laughs) using the technology available to make sure people are gambling responsibly but doesn't seem to have a problem that what he has a share ownership in is that they can take people's credit reports to loan them more money to get deeper into a hole and then escort them to machines that are rigged to take money from them and play to extinction. Which then gets into the role of and the question of, man, you know, why are they working so hard to get all these shows, get these hotels built? Well, Steve Sear shares... The way he's able to do his job, right, is that he needs free perks to give to the high rolling gamblers. There's a brother um, uh, named Anton Daniels. He has an interesting uh, YouTube video called Life as a VIP High Roller at the Casino that describes this process. Go check it out. Very honest take on uh, how people are lured into this industry. And essentially what he says is it's the perks that happen. Right, So if you become a high roller, if you become a whale or a shark or a minnow or that construction worker spending $5,000, that what the casino then does is to keep you gambling, to keep you there, they start giving you free perks. Oh, you don't have to pay to go to that restaurant. You don't have to pay to see that show. We got tickets for you. You just keep coming and you bring your friends and help us exploit them too and help us to further exploit you as your income growth grows which steve sear very much said was a third of their target market so this isn't about entertainment this isn't about hotels and green space and 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 helping local people to do it this is about how can a casino incentivize people to keep coming and to stay there and until this question is answered perhaps get so much in a hole that you you take a loan. <laughs> you take their problem gamblers who make up 40 to 60% of the revenue, which by the way, they aren't all broke. <laughs> so again, the classism of, of, of assigning lack of self-control only to poor people. They then can get into so much trouble, a lien can be put on their house. Be foreclosed. It's the Boston Globe reports. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the room just like to catch a predator. Messages have been sent, things, messages, billboards all across the city, radio ads, TV ads, all these things. I'm coming in here and I'm showing you the receipts of this exploitative, predatory, industry how it works the people who design it what they say it is actually about i'm showing you the pr campaigns i'm showing you the messaging i'm showing you the strategies that have been extracted and used all around the world what it what it what it what did brother dr king say brother dr king said we've deluded ourselves into believing the myth that capitalism grew and prospered out of hard work Capitalism was built on the exploitation of black slaves and continues to thrive on the exploitation of the poor, both black and white, both here and abroad. We see the strategies, the consulting groups and where they've worked in the strategies they're bringing here to Richmond as we see them play out during this process. And I am simply asking. What are you really here? To do. What is your real intent? Because when there are real strategies to protect people within the casino and protect people around the casino, you don't want those strategies. But we'll use that same energy to further in debt people, to further exploit people and have the audacity to come before a group of pastors. A faith tradition whose savior was crucified and had his last belongings on earth gambled away. It was sold <laughs> for money by a brother man that was just like him. Enroll a brother from around the way. Partnering with some other brothers around the way who got a little bit more power to exploit in hopes, not promises, in hopes that Caesar just might be a little bit better to us if we can give him more money, which we already talked about the allocation conundrum last week. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a predator in our midst. There is a predator in our midst standing in our living room looking a hot mess, telling whatever needs to be said To come into our community with receipts that describe us as things to be hunted and slaughtered and extinguished. This is the type of industry we're talking about. The question is, the question we have in November, and yes or no, is are we going to let this predator into our community or is there a price that can be paid that's enough for us to look over the exploitation and the addiction and the rigging or do we say what are you doing here no this is the choice that we have to make these are the receipts I can't vote for you But I can tell you, in the words of the great American orator, Randy Jackson, it's going to be a no for me, dog. This has been Season 3, Episode 3, To Catch a Predator, Squids, Whales, and Rigged Casinos. I'm your host, Charlie Ray. Peace. I love you. I love you. That's why I'm here. I don't know if that's why they're here, but that's why I'm here. Peace. Never the